You okay? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good morning. Um, David is is doing better. He just uh, fainted, I guess. He had a pain in the back and then just uh, fell off the chair. But I think he's doing well. And uh, yeah, we haven't had this before, so I'm not sure what caused that. But um, yeah, thanks God. I think he's he's doing better. Well, this morning we continue um, our sermon series in Genesis, and uh, we are moving in chapter 2. From chapter 1, we move to chapter 2, and it's, it's an interesting switch um, to rest. You know, from all of that busyness that God was uh, involved in the first six days, suddenly we move in the seventh day, and it's a day of rest. And um, I'm not sure when you think of rest, what does it lead you to do you have another word for for that say that sleep okay what 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 it leads you to yeah what you think of a day of rest what's that day relax worship yeah yeah things like that yeah so have you also heard of uh, a commandment that tells us to rest you know uh, especially the kids what day is that commandment the sabbath commandment keep the sabbath you know what number is in the in the 10 commandments which one what number is that yes cameron you were right number four yeah um commandment number four yeah keep the sabbath and uh the idea is that um the lord calls us to rest and if you think about you know created for us maybe i will say just journey with me 40 years ago you know i i don't know how was it here? I wasn't here. I was in Romania 40 years ago. But in, you know, in, in that time, just think about what sort of things maybe you did. Maybe uh, stores were closed on Sunday, right? Because people thought, well, you know, we should keep this day a special day. Maybe there was a two services. Uh, the Sunday had two services. And after the service, you had a family meal. You never went to uh, the, you know, the restaurants because you had to stay at home and eat at home and they didn't have to work and stuff like that. Maybe was no playing on the front lawn. I heard that only in the back of the house was allowed, right? <laughs> um, there's something sinful about the front lawn, you know, so. Um, and then no beach time, right? Uh, or maybe going to the cinema on Sunday, you know, I'm not sure. Did you, do you remember that? Anybody remembers that? Or was this a rule in your house? Yeah, and uh, so how, how about no bikes? No bikes or playing ball. And even somebody told me that the scissors were the instruments of work, you know, so then... You know, because maybe there are two pieces that, that move or something, I don't know, uh, but, you know, you don't use them on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure if you were allowed to use a needle or not, I'm not sure, but uh, limited TV, definitely, uh, limited or no TV, and certainly no football time, right, on, on Sundays, you know. Can you imagine one of those Sundays now, huh? We're just going to, from today, go back <laughs> to that. Uh, you see, when you look at those things, you know, you think, wow, you know, what what happened to all of that? Why did we think like that? You know, why did we push that hard? No, I don't know uh, what what the reasons were, but you can come up with good reasons for a life that is very, I will say, different, very strict, uh, than, and very peculiar, you know. And you can come up with all kinds of reasons to do that. But let me just talk to you about one of the things that I celebrated. It was 30 years ago, so in my teen years, you know, in the... Uh, uh, 1980s, I will say, you know, 1982 to 1990, something like that. At that time, I was in Romania, and I was a teenager, and uh, 
we had a six-day week work, you know. So we worked for six days. We went to school for six days. In fact, I never heard the word weekend until I was in freedom, you know, after the freedom came. We never, the word weekend was not used because it was just Sunday. And we went everything doing six days. And one day we went to church on Sunday to be free and celebrate. So I will just talk to you about a typical Sunday for me. Now, this is what's for me. So just, I don't know. Uh, but I started early in the morning, 8.30, you know, worship. We had an hour of prayer, an hour of Sunday school, and an hour of regular worship. So about three and a half hours in the same building like here, you know. But you will de- delineate that. Okay, now it's the prayer time. And then we pray and then stuff like that. Then, um, thanks to your tax money, Radio Free Europe was available in Germany. And they will broadcast that on short wavelengths, and the, the government tried to, you know, to jam it. But we will go have lunch and then just pick our ears and try to just play with tuning, you know, because it will be out of, you know, immediately it will change. And, but we listened to one hour, about 50 minutes of a religious program that came from the West. It was our kind of, you know, oxygen bubble from the free world, you know, and it was a program designed here in the States by a Romanian pastor. And everybody loved it, and we used to record them as much as we could on those big, you know, long, long, huge tapes, you know. And I would listen to them in the night during the week, you know, because it was a special service for me. It was a breath of fresh air from, from the free world. So thank you for that. And then we had afternoon music rehearsal. It could be brass band. It could be I played it, mandolin, orchestra, whatever, you know. And then another evening worship. So if you look at my Sunday, it was about A-plus hours a Sunday, you know. That was a lot of work, I would say, right? But it was a beautiful day for me. I enjoyed doing it, and that's, that's how I grew up. And um, so you had different experiences, I'm sure, with a Sunday. And even today, maybe your day looks different than what it looked when you grew up, right? Or what it looked for your grandparents and so on and so forth. But today, we are looking at the Four Commandments. And I found an interesting comment on it in the document called Heidelberg Catechism. Heidelberg Catechism, and this is the question 120. Three. The question is says, what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? What is it? And then it says two things. The first one, that the gospel and, and, the, and education for the gospel be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, which is Sunday, I regularly attend the assembly of God's people. I think this is pretty good. You know, so it's gospel, education and gathering together for worship, you know. And then it says to do four things. To learn what God's Word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings to the poor, which we just did in our offering too. This is also very important. But then there is a second part, right? And the second part says that every day of my life, I rest. That's what is there. I rest from my evil ways. And I think that this is a beautiful image of what the Sabbath should be. That every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. And then I let the Lord work in me through the Spirit. It is not me, but the Lord who is working in me through the power of the Spirit. And so begin already in this life the eternal Sabbath. What a beautiful what a beautiful, I think, summary of what the fourth commandment teaches us to do. 
It's a day that reminds us that every day it's holy for us. It's a day that tells us every day of my life I am called to rest from my evil ways. Sunday, in fact, reminds us today that tomorrow, Tuesday, we have to behave like Sunday because God gives us His rest from our evil ways. Monday, people have to say, where have you been yesterday? Because you behave so godly, so Christ-like today. And you say, I went to worship on Sunday, and I was reminded that even today, Monday, I have to rest from my evil ways. And I have to do the same thing on Tuesday, to rest from our evil ways. The same thing on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Every day of the week, we are called to rest from our evil ways. So now I invite you, although the text is not talking necessarily about the Sunday or the Sabbath, to go back to our text in Genesis, created for rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thus the haven... The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, in all their vast array. All that universe was completed in all its expansion and vastness. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This account, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, and when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. What a powerful conclusion to chapter 1. What a powerful testimony of God's easy way, of God's power of God's assurance that what he did is completed, is perfect, is good, it works, it doesn't need his effort, that he's done, that he has set everything in motion, and then he can watch everything now, sustaining everything, working according to his plan. So I want to look at this morning at three things, but the first one is that in comparison to God who rested on the, four, the, the seventh day, we live in a restless society. We live, first of all, we live in a culture that is full of unrest. We, suff- we suffer from loneliness and anxiety and worries. You know, if you go at any, any place and you check for statistics, why are people sick? They say over 70% of our physical illnesses are caused by our stress and worries and lack of rest and troubles that we have. If you remember, maybe you remember this picture. It was painted by somebody in the 19th century and basically it's called the screen. And it's this idea that we as people, we just live in this anxious, anxious time. We are rushing through life and it's an eternal scream that goes through the whole creation. We never have peace. The Danish people have called this angst. Maybe remember, it's anxiety, it's that fear that we always carry with us. We never rest of it. And we go through life with all of that fear. And you can be at home in Thanksgiving Day or at Christmas with a full house of people, family, friends, and you are still lonely. 
You can be in your workplace with dozens or hundreds of co-workers and you feel so lonely. And loneliness is one of our biggest things, anxiety. You can be in your home with your spouse, married maybe two decades, and then suddenly you feel yourself alone. You never thought that this can happen to you. That the spouse looks at you and says, I found somebody else. I, we are not together anymore. Or you maybe you are in a hospital full of people, full of people, full of nurses and doctors, and yet on that hospital bed you feel so alone, and you feel so bitten by life, so burdened, so heavy laden that you look around and you say, why, Lord, why me? Why am I so alone? Why everything happens to me? You don't want to pick up the phone because you don't want to deal with anybody else. We are lonely, lonely people in a lonely culture that is restless, full of anxiety. But also it's a culture that tells us that they don't see a value for religion, but there's a value for spirituality. Everybody has their own spirituality. And we can create our own spiritual worlds and we can live spiritually without being religious. We don't need to listen to anybody. We don't need to listen to God, to His Bible. We can live our spiritual lives because in the end people say everything is spiritual. Why go to church or why read the Bible? Why pray to a God when you can pray and do other things to other gods, when you can worship other gods? So there are a lot of things that in this culture create angst, fear, anxiety, worries in us. And there are some unhealthy ways we try to solve it. And I will just go fast through some of the unhealthy ways. First, I think we just jump in using a lot of drugs. I mean, if you ask people what's the worry about with the healthcare and everything else is, who is going to pay for my prescriptions, right? We use so many drugs for this and that. And then we also use substances. It can be tobacco, it can be anything, alcohol. We just think that those things are going to bring us some peace. And then we turn maybe to comfort food or maybe lack of food. And then maybe we go shopping for the next dress or the next toy or the next, I don't know, rifle or whatever, the next vacation. And we think that is going to fix us, going to rest us. Zoning out in hours in social media and TV and games. It's so easy to do that because you feel, well, that's at least then when I'm connected with something. Or lashing out on others. Our anxiety just in outbursts of anger. People say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Social withdrawal, family avoidance and friends avoidance we don't anymore participate with them or oversleeping or not sleeping enough or just creating a busy schedule that will give us the sense that we are doing things while we avoid dealing with the issues that cause so much fear and anxiety and stress and restlessness restlessness in our life but then also some healthy ways that society deals with things. If you think about what we can do, you know, and this is something that any peop anybody can do. It doesn't have to be a Christian, but you can take walks, you know, for example, in nature. You can take a walk and re relax from time to time or exercise regularly, bike or swim or do kayaking or whatever. Go hunting, right? This is the hunting uh, Sunday, I guess. You know, the, the most, uh, the most uh, hunters are you know, not here today because they're in the woods. Use a journal, blogging. Maybe there's a healthy way of using social media. And many people use that to just relax. Or play games with the family and friends. These are good things to do. Save you a warm cup or maybe a cold cup, ice cup of, 
of tea or ice or I mean tea or uh, or coffee or read a book or listen to music. Maybe some people say just watch a comedy that will just bring smile and laughter in your life. But the truth is that regardless of not, these are things that we all do, and some of them are really good for us to do. They are they are healthy ways of doing it, but we do have to focus more on them and to go deeper in all of these issues as Christians. There is way more to a walk in the park for a Christian. There is war made, war, way deeper reality for us than just drinking a cup of coffee on a Sunday or on a time when we are with a family playing a game. There is war more meaning in the Christian family. And that's what we are going to look. So the truth is that we live in a restless culture, but the other truth, the next truth is that God invented rest. It was his invention, you see. He created the world in six days. Have you ever wondered why Adam and Eve were created in the sixth day? God could have created them in the fourth day, the third day. In the third day, they already had dry ground, trees and, and fruits and stuff like that. You see, Ron mentioned several times the contrast between the Egyptian culture and what Moses is trying to tell us in the Genesis story. And in the Egyptian, the Mesopotamian culture, the gods did create the world. But at some point, they got tired. So then they created people to do the job of the gods, to continue the work of creation. Is that kind of... So we were created in Egyptian culture, in their story of the origins of the world, to complete the work of the gods. Because God got tired. God could have created Adam and Eve in the, in the third day, like I said, and, and just say, hey, now this is my plan. You have to, you know, just be my kind of partners or whatever, slaves, or you need to work and to create all of these things with me. They were created in the sixth day. Before the creation of Adam and Eve, everything else was in place. They come at the end as the crown of everything. They had not only the sea and the birds and, and in, of the air, but they had every fruit that the sea produces or the land produces or every blessing that, that was available in God's creator. Everything was perfect and good and created well for them to enjoy. And God said, in fact, go and enjoy it. It's like your mom inviting you for Thanksgiving dinner and says, I'm going to prepare dinner and you say, what shall I bring? And she says, nothing, just come with your family. Just come and enjoy. Because everything is ready for you and for your loved ones. And that's what God wanted Adam and Eve to do. To just come and enjoy. Yes, grow, multiply, and, and subdue, and, and be good stewards of the earth. But their calling was to rejoice. There was nothing in creation that they needed to do to create. Their labor had no pain involved, no toiling, no sweating. It was just a joy to be in God's creation, to be there on the sixth day. In fact, their first day, their first full day was a day of rest because the seventh day is the day of rest. God created them to enjoy with him. What's interesting about this day of rest is that it doesn't have an end. Like the other day says, well, there was morning and evening, and so it was the fifth day, the sixth day. The seventh day has no evening. There's no end to it. God is in this perpetual Sabbath, rest. And in fact, God is done with the creation. 
And he says, from now on, let's enjoy it. <coughs> let's take care of it. And that's what Adam and Eve were called to do. But something happens. There's no work for Adam and Eve between this moment, Genesis 2, until the next chapter. God is not doing anything. Everything is peaceful, but in chapter 3, God's rest is broken by sin. Suddenly, his days or his time of rejoicing is broken by sin. And sin compels him to come again to work for man, to create, to kill an animal, and to create those covers to cover Adam and Eve's shame. And indeed, steal, sin steals your rest too. If there is anything that steals our rest and your rest, is sin. It takes away the peace, the joy. It takes away all of the harmony in your life. And it takes away the relationships that you have, the marriage that you have, the, the good neighbors that you had. The relationship with them, it takes away your health. Sin affects everything. From now on, man is not anymore, from chapter 3 on, in a, in a Sabbath, in a rest. He has to work hard. And the, with the sweat of his brow, he will provide for his family. But in, God's intention was not to do that from the beginning, but was to have man enjoy his, his rest, to live together what happens is later on, about 2,500 years at least, maybe more, maybe more. We don't know exactly how much time passed. But about 2,500 years later, God comes to the people of Israel and says, I am going to bring you out of Egypt and I'm, in Gil I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you to a place where you can have rest. And then during that pilgrimage to the wilderness, he says, remember the Sabbath day? Guys, do you remember the Sabbath day? The day when I rested and Adam and Eve rested and all of us rested and it was a restful, blessed day. Remember my Sabbath? Remember the seventh day? Do you remember when everything was done, the creation was perfect? There were no fighting between you and the Egyptians? Do you remember when peace ruled the earth? Remember the Sabbath day. It was the seventh day when I created and I entered the Sabbath day. And because of its holiness because I rested everything was done remember it six day you shall labor and know, do no all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God on it you shall not do any work for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and everything that is in them but he rested on the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy it was a reminder of how much God wanted to rest with us. And said, remember that. It's not a joke. I put in the universe a rhythm where you need to rest. You need to rest. Many societies have tried. And even today, it's, I think you can die faster than lack of sleep, than the lack of food and, and water. You will die faster because you do not rest. And then later on, the people of Israel, they never get it. In the wilderness, they rebel against God. They don't get that they are called to rest. They always fight. They are restless. They are always restless. And then when they get into the promised land with Joshua, in fact, even Moses doesn't get into the promised land. He is not resting because he too was angry and disobeyed God. And God says, you will pay. 
I will forgive you, but you will pay. And the payment is you will never get into my land. Joshua will. And Joshua takes the people into the holy, the, the promised land. And even then, God says, you have to be faithful if you want to be restful here. If you, have, if you want to live in my Sabbath. But they are not. They follow other gods. And this is what Isaiah, the prophet, says. Just before they go into exile and stuff like that, God says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor it by not speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Jeremiah says the same thing. Be careful. Be careful. Not to carry a load on the Sabbath day. Leave your burdens. They were carrying loads and loads and loads of things in Jerusalem. In the Sabbath day, they were working. They thought that God is not able to provide. That they have to work continuously. So the Sabbath day became a business day for them. And God says, do not carry your loads. That in other words, you have a lot of burdens. Believe, trust in me that I can provide for you. It's not your business that they, they, takes you. It's not the place where you work that feeds you. It is I who feed you. Believe in me. Rest in me. Do not take your loads, he says. And then in Psalm 95, he says, Today, if you only hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did at Meribah in the wilderness. So I declare on my oath and in my, an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. When God saw the stubbornness, the disobedient people, the lack of faith, he said, they will never rest. Yeah, they will, they will leave and they will be my covenant people, but they will never experience that, that, that rest that I call them to. Unfortunately, they never did it. So, a restless culture in which God invents rest and invites all the Israel people to but then Christ comes again. 2,000 years ago, he, crimes, he comes and he offers you his rest. 2,000 years ago, after many years from the book of Genesis, Christ comes on the scene. This is the Son of God. He was also involved in creation, John tells us. But now he's doing a special work. And he goes on the Calvary, on that cross. In the last minutes of his life he looks back at the father and what is he saying he says it is finished it is finished all those struggles all those heavy heavy days of working to keep the sabbath to keep god's law he says it is finished i finished all the salvation work there's nothing to be done people have now salvation and people can come to god it's an echo of genesis in Jerusalem, on that cross. He says, it is done. You don't have to work anymore. Come then, he says. And then he cries to all of us. And this is what he screamed today. Come to me, all who you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other places, come to me, all who you are thirsty, and I will give you to drink a water that will give a lot of springs into you. And from you will flow Rivers of living water. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. It is done. My father did the creation and he completed it. You were called to rest. 
and I finished the salvation. And again, you are called to rest in my work. It's accomplished. There is nothing you and I can do. Why was Adam and Eve created in the sixth day? To be reminded that God has all the glory, both in creation and we today. We cannot pride with anything to bring to our salvation. The work of creation and the work of salvation is completed by God. And today we live in that age of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit works in you and in me. And the Holy Spirit calls us to live a life fully devoted to God. He says, do not let anyone, this is Paul saying, to judge you with regard to a religious festival, a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. All of that shadowing of the Old Testament Sabbath was to point us to our true Sabbath in Christ Jesus. And I like the Hebrews. You know, in Hebrew chapter 4, they quote a lot of Genesis. And Hebrew says, make sure, make sure that you make every effort to enter that rest, the rest of Christ, the rest of God. Make sure that you make every effort to enter that so that no one will perish by following the example of the Jewish people in the wilderness because that's an example of their disobedience. Make sure that you rush to God, to Jesus. So how do you handle your burdens? You know, you might say, how do I do this? How do I make sure that I enter into his rest? Well, the first thing that you can do, just lay down your, your sins. Confess. There is no more burden than an unconfessed sin on our lives. If you think that things create problems, unconfess sin. So just go and repent. Give your burdens to Jesus. We, we sometimes think, well, that's easy. You know, I just pray for that issue. This morning, right? I think the devil sometimes laughs, laughs at us. We go to prayer with heavy loads on our back, burden, and we pray maybe five minutes and then we leave. And the devil says, okay, you can do that all your life because you went with your burdens to Christ and you left with the same burdens. Sometimes I think it takes longer for us to leave. It can take as long as it takes. But make sure that when you go to Christ, you leave your burdens there. You surrender everything in prayer. Everything, every thought, every... And then let the Bible speak to you. Our restless culture is going to speak anxiety in your heart, fear, worries. Let the Bible speak to you. Let the Bible determine who you are. And then bless your kids and spouse. And I... I heard this idea that the Jews on the Sabbath, they will bless their kids. And maybe you can use any blessing from the, from the Bible or just use your own words and bless your kids, bless your spouse, bless each other. Make the day of rest a day of blessing when you offer a blessing to somebody else. If you don't know what to say, just write it down and copy it from the Bible. Read from the Bible. And then worship regularly like the Heidelberg Catechism said, you know. It can be an individual worship or in your family, and also on Sunday here, corporate worship. But release your burdens. It's very important. Release your burdens. If you don't know how to release your burdens, you'll snap. You'll go, you'll go tomorrow at work, and people will say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Because you are snappy. You are short-fused, you know. You might have personality disorders, or you can have so many issues that you swing, your moods are swinging, and you snap at everything, and everything makes you angry, and nobody is... You yell at people, you scream, you're cussing. Why? Because you have not let your burdens 
at the cross of Jesus. And then just rest in the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, now is the age of the Spirit when we receive the Spirit to bless us. And make sure that you anticipate, that you anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Remember, even the Heidelberg Catechism said that? That every day of our life, we rest from our evil ways. We let the, war, the Lord work in us through the Spirit. And we also anticipate and experience from this life the eternal Sabbath that is coming. A restless culture, a God who invents rest in this restless culture, and a Christ who offers you today his rest. Come to me, he says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke, because I give you a peace not as the world gives you peace, but my peace will stay with you, no matter what circumstances. Let us pray. Father, we bless your name. Uh, we thank you once again that you are calling us to rest in you. We thank you that Sunday is a day when you remind us that we are supposed to bring our burdens at the cross of Christ. So we today, we do not want to be stubborn, but we want to learn the lesson to be obedient and to lay down at the cross of Jesus all of our sins, to repent of them, all of our evil ways. Help us to rest every day of our evil ways and tomorrow and in the next week to reflect the reality that we at the cross of Jesus have rested all of our sins and burdens and evil ways. And bless us with the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us a new life so bless us today with that power to live a new life in Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.